0: Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech
0: professionals. Tech-savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Loving this summer.
1: We have a return guest joining us today. I'm excited to introduce Bas Van de Hatterd, who is the host of Talent Savvy Podcast. He is a recruitment advisor in the Netherlands and for the last 17 years has been hosting awards and events for Best Corporate Career Website, which is now coming to Australia. wonder if it might come to Canada. And if that is not the longest intro and title, I would like to add, he is my second favorite Dutchman. Welcome to the show, boss.
2: Thank you. Bonjour.
0: (laughs) Remind the audience who your first one is. Well, it's Hung Lee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but he is my celebrity crush in the HR world. So I met him when I was at Rackfest last summer and i found myself tripping over my words <laughs> i was it was like i was 17 again <laughs> it was cute so boss just remind the audience a little bit about who you are what do you do
2: well my name is bas van der hatert i consult with several companies here in the netherlands on improving their recruitment either on their corporate careers websites improving those and making them convert uh, candidates a lot more. That's sometimes on assessments and selection. I've worked for clients like the Dutch Rail, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, several local communities, governments, major companies, university. And I'm a speaker, among others, on Recfest this year again. Unfortunately, not RackFest USA, but that's on the agenda for 2024. Jamie, if you're listening, I still expect an invite to the U.S. someday. So do you mind
1: just telling us a little bit more of the history of the Corporate Career Website Awards? How did that all start? And you've been at it for 17 years. Are you still doing it?
2: Definitely. I actually just hired four students who will be doing my research. Basically, this started with beers, like what doesn't start with alcohol, but I was having drinks with my then business partner and a competitor of ours released the best corporate careers websites and we just couldn't figure out why a certain company had won. And actually the company itself asked me, why did we win? Because our site sucks. And actually one of their person said, listen, now that we've won my entire business case for getting budget to actually make something decent, has gone out the window. So please, can you explain why we won? We don't understand. Both of us were advising on careers websites. And now all of a sudden, this piece of trash was named the best site. Our advisory work got more difficult because people are like, yeah, but but that's good. And we're like, no, it's not. Yeah, but they won an award. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's good because the people giving out the awards apparently know jack shit about careers websites. We started this, Literally by asking, how much are we willing to spend on screwing this company over? So we were willing to spend about 10 grand on that. We had a great year in consulting. And then the cost got out of hand. So we started an event to get some of the money back. And all of a sudden, we made a profit. And that was 17 years ago. And we kept on doing this. And what I've noticed, for example, is that my research actually also influences The careers websites in the Netherlands. Because as soon as I started, for example, reporting on the number of non white people on corporate career sites, we all of a sudden saw the photos of non white people go up because all of a sudden it was a topic. That's basically the story behind it. And now it's been licensed in Australia. They recently gave out their first career sites award. And I love the fact that you can actually see where we differ in what we think is important and not which is really interesting.
0: So one of the main reasons we wanted to bring you on, Boz, is because I would say three months ago, we had a conversation on a Friday show. One of the things we talked about is career pages are actually not that important. And you had a serious objection to that. So talk about your objection, then. I will counter to it because I might be wrong. I don't admit it very often, but I might be wrong. So tell me why you feel that we're wrong in saying that unless you're a major player, most career sites that I've seen, 90% of the traffic is coming from a job board
2: or another referral site. So give me your thoughts here, boss. Well, you actually already made my point for me without realizing it, Serge. which is the main problem that everybody has with corporate careers websites. It is the most important piece of your entire talent acquisition strategy and for this reason. No, it's not a destination site. It's a conversion site because where do you send people? You send somebody who you servers from your careers website. You don't send them to Indeed. You don't send them to your LinkedIn post. You send them to your job site. Now... The main problem we have is that for some reason, there are some people in the world, people I think shouldn't be in TA, who think their ATS job listings should be on their careers websites. You should make that an integral part beautifully designed of your career site. It is the biggest multiplier that you have, either of your budget you need to spend on advertising or of your conversion of candidates actually applying to your advertising. Okay. So... I think we all agree, but if you
0: look at 90% of career sites out there, they look all the same. There's nothing that stands out. They all look like they were written by Deloitte in a back room somewhere with six people or a lawyer. There is actually nothing that differentiates. And I think a lot of companies overestimate that candidates actually care. How do I apply? How quickly can I apply? Is the information all there in the job listing? To me, that's all that's important. The rest, your statements and all that bullshit, no one cares because it's the same for everyone. That's my thoughts on it.
2: Well, yes and no. Nobody cares if it's the same, but the talent board from Kevin Grossman actually researched that as soon as people are applying or think they found a great job, they will start looking at those things and it might be something that repels them, or at least you will get them to apply if it's good. So the mistake we make is we make it a destination site. It's not a destination site per se. It's a conversion site. Most of your traffic comes from advertising. But all of the great advertising campaigns I've seen in the Netherlands, either are on Google or on Facebook or on Instagram. And if you send your traffic to your careers website, now if your careers website is bad, it doesn't convert. And all of a sudden you had a terrible campaign. But that has nothing to do with whether your campaign was great or not. Your campaign gives you the traffic. Your careers website makes it convert. And just to be very clear here, for me, a careers website is everything from the homepage to the moment you thank somebody for applying, including your entire ATS integration. That's part of your careers website. What I've seen by reviewing a few Canadian and American sites is that for some reason... On your side of the ocean, people think that the ATS is a separate part from the careers website and it's not beautifully integrated. Mm. You guys have so much registered to applies, which to be honest, in the Netherlands, we are below 5% and the fact that I penalize it so much and everybody wants to win the, the damn award. And all of a sudden they see a 20% increase in applicants. Amen to that.
0: We all agree that register to apply is the worst thing that's ever happened, and it's so common in Canada. I would say 95% you have to register to apply, and no one does any work with the ATS integration when it comes to the actual user interface. When it shows up on your career page, it basically looks like a Craigslist list of jobs. Completely agree with that. But what is a terrible career site? I'm sure there's a ton more when you evaluate them that you're like, eh. Oh.
2: Actually, those are the most important. It's a job description, which looks like it was made in MS-DOS or maybe Windows 3.11 because your ATS makes it look like that and a register to apply, which you think the government designed it because it's your ATS as well. Let me talk about what makes an amazing careers website. First of all, Your job description is your most important part. The main mistake we usually make is focusing on your homepage. From the data I see, the homepage is usually one of the worst visited pages because people come to your website via either Google, they search for a job, and they come on your job description. Either social media, your employees share jobs, or either advertisement, And I know this is a bit different in your side of the ocean, but Indeed usually sends people to the job description on the careers website as well. So people come in on your job description. You have to sell the job and the company on your job description. Now, for example, KPMG has a beautiful pie chart, which is all you expect from an accountant saying 70% of your time you'll be doing administrative work, 20% of your time you're in meetings, we even had this once for Van Hare, which is like a local shoe retailer on what are you going to be doing in the stores? 20% you're actually filling shelves. 40% you're interacting with the customers. Stuff like that. Design it well and people will convert.
0: Yes. When we say, and we say this a lot, so register to apply for the audience that doesn't know what that means is... When you go on to apply for a job, you click on apply now. And before you can actually start the application, it asks you to create an account, which is what we mean by register to apply. If your company is doing that, to your point, Boz, it's absolutely insane. But 95% do right now. Shelly, you're...
1: I just want to say, backing it up a little bit further, understanding too, what you mean by integration of the ATS. Because when you look at how iSIMS, for example, displays your jobs, it is the Craigslist that you understand. So you have to, first of all, hunt and peck and try and find the job. That is probably the biggest repellent.
2: But Shelley, opinion, um, it's business. because the head of TA or the head of employer branding is crap at his or her job because there's no reason you
1: no, no. have somebody it- in charge of that.
2: If you have a corporate career site, somebody's in charge of your corporate careers website, period.
1: The Lawyers. That's who makes the decision on which ATS we're going to use. Or it's decided by HR.
2: It is not Not the ATS problem. What you're now saying is people are using iSIMS iFrame. Now, if you use iSIMS API, it's not a problem. But you have a head of TA who doesn't understand the difference between an API and an iFrame and who goes for the cheap option instead of the right one. Yes, I actually have a few uh, people in the Netherlands who still use these iframes. That's about 2 or 3%. They have an immense amount of money they spend on agencies because nobody wants to apply at their company. I spoke to one of our big banks a while ago. They took out their register to apply. They saw the number of applicants increase by 40%. They have over 600 vacancies. Yes, they spend a lot of money in building an API integration with their ATS. They actually bought a questionable piece of software to put in between, but that's a different story. Now, does that 50 grand a year make up for applicants? Hell yeah, they're paying 50 grand for each agency they need to hire because nobody's applying. So.
0: To your point, Shelly, and what I think Boz means as well, anytime that you implement a new ATS, there's a standard widget that comes with it. It's an iframe that you plug and play. Any company can use their API and actually play with the user interface to make it look way better than a Craigslist listing. iSIMS is exactly the same. I'm just looking at some iSIMS career pages right now. I have not found
2: one that is not the iframe. That's That's what I was trying to
1: say. That's all I'm trying to say
2: boss. Then look at iSIM's Dutch clients. They recently had to tell me they have several Dutch clients and I knew of zero of them because I couldn't find their ATS on the back end because it's really well integrated. So it's nothing to do with iSIMs. It has to do with lazy TA managers who just don't understand the importance of the careers website. And that's actually why I objected to your uh, idea of the careers website not being important, Search
1: boss. what I'm trying to say is that in Canada, even large companies having someone in the role of a vice president or a director of talent acquisition where they are actually involved in the selection and implementation is maybe, I would say, the top 5% of companies in Canada. When I look at careers pages, even for billion-dollar corporations, you go to their careers page, and it is the iframe listing drop-down.
2: But Shelley, let me rephrase this another way. The worst companies in the Netherlands are the billion-dollar companies. The worst ones. The fact that you have a title and make an insane amount of money does not mean you have any knowledge. It means you know how to play the political game. As our former minister of finance once said, The higher up, the dumber they are. And he was referring to himself in part as
0: well. I think we're talking semantics in a sense, because when we talk about career pages, we're talking about the whole experience and the job listing being a part of it. And basically what you're saying, that is absolutely the most critical part of a career page. And here in Canada and North America, we actually see it in a different way. I disagree with it. All the investment, everything that is done is in those why work with us. And then you see all these images from people that have never actually worked there. They put the same message from KPMG or Deloitte. It's boilerplate across the board. What you're saying here, and I 100% agree, is That really doesn't matter. It's the experience when the person gets to the job description and how it flows from there. How good is your job description? Then how good is your application process?
2: I'm I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying it matters less. But if I may make a historical analogy here, when the Europeans came to your shores, we basically made everybody believe we're amazing by mirrors and beads. And you guys still love your mirrors and beads. That you forget what it's really about. A great homepage, uh, about us pages. I've looked at several of your websites in the past and the amount of money you guys spend on beautifully produced videos is amazing. Now imagine spending 10% of that on actual job integration and building a nice job description. That would be so much more advantageous for your conversion of applicants.
0: Okay, I think we've called out what the critical parts of your career page, but give me some idea of who's doing it really well. And let's pick something we can see in English, but who in your mind is the best career pages and the best examples someone should follow?
2: Well, it's all Dutch companies. The Australian winner was Kohl's, which is interestingly all the parts they are good at are parts where Dutch companies are generally less good at and the other way around. The winner of my award last year was Vodafone Ziggo, which is a big telecommunications firm. They have amazingly beautifully designed job descriptions where actually their entire employer brand is in their job description. You get enthusiastic for working there. You see the people in your team. You see the people with quotes. And they're actually the people who are working there. Under every job description, there's a visual representation of the procedure you're going through. They emphasize the most important remuneration. Of course, over 50% actually mention the salary in the job description these days in the Netherlands because you don't get any applicants if you don't. Another one which I really like, and in part, I like them because they have a great mobile experience. We haven't even talked about mobile yet, but is Dutch Rail NS. Unfortunately, not in English, but what they actually do is folding menus on your mobile. So you can open the section on remuneration. You can open the section on the procedure. You can open the section on your educational requirements. And they change the application process if you're on a mobile because you don't have a resume on your mobile and they'll ask it later because they're like, every applicant is a win. If we can get somebody to apply on mobile, awesome. But before you go further,
0: what is the percentage in, say, Europe or in the Netherlands as far as how many applicants
2: are coming from a mobile phone to a career page? Visitors or applicants? Both. Visitors are usually between 50 and 70%. Applicants are often less than 10% because most don't make it possible. What you see is when they make it possible, the numbers go up. The problem is that now so many people expect it not to be possible that you're actually proactively having to communicate. We see you're on mobile. Yes, you can apply. I think
0: that's a very valuable point because I look at it from a job board perspective that we know that around 70% of the people coming to our site are coming from a mobile. You are 100% right that it really drops down when it comes to applicant To It's higher than 10%, but not that much different that we're seeing here. I think the point here, and a lot of people don't realize, especially in talent acquisition is, I still have to pinch and squeeze on a lot of career pages when I get to the application. SuccessFactors is the perfect example that does not have a mobile experience
2: and is quite a popular ATS. But again, search one of the best mobile experiences in the Netherlands is an energy firm here who uses SuccessFactors. But they have a great agency in between, a, a website agency, who's yeah. used the SuccessFactors API in order to build a gorgeous job description, extremely well mobile accessible on the SuccessFactors API. Yes, it cost them a fortune because it was SuccessFactors and SuccessFactors is as flexible as a wooden bar, but they are saving a lot of money on applicants right now.
0: So a lot of our audience might not know what you mean by API and iframes and widget. Can we clarify from your end, what can you do on an API compared to leveraging the widget? We've talked a lot about it. I just want to give context to the audience.
2: Of course, an API is an application programming interface. It lets you interact with your ATS, and it lets you get every field out of there specifically. So if you have a field job description, it takes out a job description. Now, if you cut up your job description in three different fields, for example, your requirements, a remuneration, and the actual job, it gets it out in three different ways. It interacts with your ATS. You're still using your ATS. Just not the front end that programmers design for the ATS, and a programmer isn't a designer.
0: Thank you, Boz. I think it's really important for our audience to know because there is a big difference.
1: I'm wondering if I can come back to when you were talking about Vodafone and Mm -hmm. why you felt they were one of the top organizations worthy of your interest and rewards. And you talked about how elaborate the job description is. And that is a debate that I'm hearing happening within TA teams because we're being told that you need to be short and succinct and to the point and not have this big lengthy job description where you're stuffing in here's all our benefits and here's our culture into the job description. And this is a trend happening right now in Canada saying where that needs to live is on your career pages The job description itself, you need to get it down to, I'm even hearing as succinct as 500 words. But you're saying, best of best, Vodafone, has it all crammed into the job description. Why is that?
2: Well, you're talking about crammed in. I'm talking about they've designed an amazing experience which doesn't feel like a lot of text you never felt lord of the rings lasted for over three hours but i know several movies that lasted two hours which are like oh my god where are we in this movie an immersive design actually engaging design and the number of words matter a lot less i'm not saying it doesn't matter i'm saying it matters a lot less now I've seen job descriptions of 500 words on my mobile which looked like a book. I've seen job descriptions of 800 words which I never felt were tiresome to read because they were well designed. To give you a very specific example, which the best companies in the Netherlands do, they actually have white and light gray backgrounds behind the text for different sections. That makes it so much more readable. You can actually have twice as much text in there But, and here's the big kicker, it's not just text. We need to stop focusing on communicating in text. I have seen beautifully designed, you know, your future career path within this company. And it was just a visual conveying the culture in text. Are you serious? Show me a few photos. Show me a photo slider in there. One of the most beautiful examples, to give you an idea, Shelley, which is Dutch Rails, and they actually make podcasts on different jobs. So they have somebody doing the job, making a 20-minute podcast on how he impacted the lives of millions of people traveling with the Dutch trains every day as his job as an IT consultant or a security consultant or whatever. That's engaging content. And it's just a link in the job description.
0: I was just looking at Vodafone Zigo. Is that how you say Vodafone Zigo? I was just looking at their career page and it does look good. It kind of reminds me of some elements of busy recruiter, Shelley, just how it's outlined in some ways. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that stood out to me, the biggest thing that stood out to me that I have never seen before and I think is genius. When you look at the job, it gives you all the details, what the pay is. Then it says your recruiter and a name. And when you click on the name, it goes to the profile of that recruiter and how you can contact her. That is absolutely brilliant. That's the first time I've ever seen that.
2: And I love that. All right, to be honest, that's the most common thing in the Netherlands. I mean, never seen it. it.
1: Yeah, no, other than LinkedIn will sometimes give you who posted the job or it used to.
2: Now, these days, it's actually questionable, do you want a direct WhatsApp link? I know WhatsApp isn't that big in the US, but we don't text anymore because we have a 99% adaptation of WhatsApp. Okay. Every 80-year-old is actually on WhatsApp these days. What I love to see happening even more is in application forms search, we now sometimes see, how would you like to be contacted? So do you want to be phoned? Do you want to have a text message for your WhatsApp? Or do you want an email if we're going to yeah. either invite or reject you? And the candidate can decide on the communication channel. Now, that I think is next level. So question for you on site: What do you think about conversational
0: AI chatbots to go through the application process or to answer any questions?
2: If done right, really good. Problem, most great technologies are in English and not that well in Dutch yet. I can tell you, I've actually launched one of the first Dutch recruitment chatbots some time ago for a company which mostly recruited in English, a university recruiting international PhDs. And we just found out that, for example, questions like, can I get a visa or what does the Dutch tax system look like? You mentioned a salary, but how much is that actually going to stay after taxes? (laughs) And we had all this information on our website, but it was really difficult to find it. And there were like seven different sections on visa and immigration and stuff like that. We built a chatbot on that, worked like a charm, because we got a lot of requests from India, China, uh, Mexico. We actually had a department who answered phones, but only during office hours, which limited the international recruitment time a lot, of course. So for those kinds of things, amazing. The execution is more important than the technology.
0: Let's put it like that. So how do you execute it properly? What steps should you take?
2: Well, first of all, you need to make sure that you have technology which actually works. That's the biggest problem, especially with languages. Everybody say they use the Dutch language. I actually tested Olivia and her translation to, I'm so excited to be with you, translated in Dutch to, I'm so aroused to speak to you. (laughs) They fixed that because I told them, but to be honest, I was a bit of a no-no. And at some point, I literally said to them, you use the Flemish translator here. And I know people think Dutch and Flemish are the same language, but they actually use the term for your location, which in Belgium is completely acceptable And we use that term for where do you want to serve your community sentence? So that was a bit of a language mistake as well. By the way, credits to Olivia and Paradox Team because they fixed it actually at Unleash when I told them the first day, the second day it was fixed. So credits to them, but check those kinds of things in your own local language and then figure out basically what do you want to do with it? Do you want people to apply Via chat at the university, we're just going to answer questions because we find that so many people have questions they apparently can't find on our website, which wasn't designed that amazingly well, but their corporate communications had their say in it. So we couldn't change that. We've got this enormous amount of content, which we know our candidates want to know. Let's design a chatbot around that and have one goal information. We're not even going to the application phase because, to be honest, our current technology doesn't support enough. It's great to have a North Star, but don't immediately go for your North Star. Mm.
0: So, Boz, I want to change topics a little bit. This weekend, I got a message from you based on a conversation that we had with Ben Eubanks, where Ben pushed back on me saying, you just need to know the outcomes of AI. You don't need to know how it actually works. And I disagreed politely. I disagreed, Buzz. What's your thoughts? So tell an
2: acquisition people that are listening in, how in-depth should they understand AI? Well, you disagreed politely. My head was exploding when I heard him say that, to be honest. The problem is you should know AI in-depth. And the reason for this is we all know what went wrong at Amazon. Why did it go wrong? Because they used the wrong data sources. Now, Fortunately, they had auditing systems who looked at those kinds of things and they never went live with that application. The problem was people were building stuff uh, and I've just been able to puzzle it together. Basically, they had the wrong criteria. They had machine learning on criteria which had nothing to do with performance. From what I gathered, they used the salary levels of people as an indicator of their performance. Everybody in HR knows that women get paid less in part because they negotiate less so everybody should have known that this was the wrong data set to train your ai on next to the fact that they use cvs which to be honest have never had any success because they have no predictive validity according to every academic research ever done if you don't know how your ai works you're setting yourself up for failure You need to understand how AI works, what it's trained on, because in the end, as far as I'm concerned, you're responsible for having a great recruitment process. You're responsible for not discriminating against minorities in your recruitment process as a DA leader. And you can't say, well, I use an AI tool and whoops, it went rogue. That's why I vividly and... Totally disagreed with you need to focus on the outcome. No, you actually need to understand the input. Shelly, I've dominated this conversation. Yeah, so you def- have.
1: I think you guys have some sort of bromance going on here. Jesus, bromance. I can't get a word in edgewise.
0: No, oh jump in, finish. Let's close this off.
1: Okay. Okay. Boz, you talked a lot about the expectations and the qualifications and competencies of TA leaders. From your perspective, What are the critical skills and competencies a TA leader needs to have? Because you're talking about in-depth technical things. What are the bare minimum that a TA leader needs to have?
2: I think a lot of the TA leaders in the world right now have a technological understanding which is below what I consider the bare minimum. Interesting. And I don't program, I can't write code but I understand the basic fundamentals of some technologies. What I've noticed when I'm at several HR departments are people are scared of Excel, which basically means they don't understand data. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a data scientist, but you do need to be able to talk to them on an if this, then that basic level of understanding of data. It's your job to question the data. To understand what goes in there. And that basic level of both data and technology understanding is in a massive way what's lacking. And I can tell you from the best TA leaders we've got here in the Netherlands, and we actually have some really great ones. Vodafone Ziggo has one, for example, not because he understands the data, but he understands he doesn't understand the data. So he has somebody he fully trusts that does. And great people know their limitations. The difference between a great TA leader and a very mediocre one, which we have a lot of, is them knowing their own limitations.
1: Thank you. Just to close off, one of the things we love to hear is predictions in the world of work in the next half of 2023. The first half has been pretty exciting. Can you give us your prediction for the world of work last half of 2023?
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a mixed bunch and it's also going to be a regionally mixed bunch because I hear people talking about layoffs and recessions in your podcast and Chad and Cheese podcast and all the podcasts. I haven't seen a single layoff in the Netherlands or actually there's now one discussion because our only car factory is closing, which is a big thuss because, well, those people can't go anywhere because we only had one car factory in the entire country. But the rest of it, it's a mixed bunch. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I think we see a massive difference between tech hiring and traditional hiring, because to be honest, healthcare can't find the people, government can't find the people, education can't find the people, Dutch retail can't find the people in tech. Yeah. Especially the ones that were funded by venture capital, it's going to get worse before it gets better this year, yet it's not going to be blood in the streets. The demographics are simply playing a role here. So many people are retiring. My hope is that smart companies won't reduce their TA budgets and headcounts a lot because you're going to need them. And the winners in 2024 are going to be the ones who are now actually investing, for example, in their corporate careers websites, which is by the way, interestingly enough, something a lot of companies are doing in the Netherlands, literally all the major agencies who build them are packed full until the end of the year. So we do see a lot of long-term investment, fortunately. And I'm really questioning what ChatGPT and tools like that are going to be doing and what products will we be seeing in probably early 2024. That's my biggest question, to be honest. So, Boz, for the audience that has been wowed
0: by your knowledge here, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of Boz?
2: LinkedIn, uh, Boz van der Herthut. I'm the only one with this specific name in the entire world, apparently. Look for Talent Safi and follow me there or come to RecFest. RecFest. And the
0: date of RecFest? July 6th, Network Park. July 6th. And me and Shelly will be at the US one. So we're going to miss you this year. But Boz, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on. It's like chatting with an old friend. Likewise.
1: Thank you, Boss. We'll talk soon.
0: Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today
1: txt.com. Mention the Recruitment Flex and get 10% off annual plans. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called